You're listening to American Indian Airwaves, County Radio. From Marcus Lopez, I'm your host for the hour, Larry Smith. On today's program, a one-hour exclusive special in the heart of the Hawaiian Nation, where a consortium of international countries and California universities plan to build the world's second-largest telescope, the 30-meter telescope, in the heart of the Hawaiian nation on the sacred site of Mauna Kea. You're listening to American Indian Airwaves, County Radio. You can hear when the moon shines bright The lone blue elk in the black of the night You can hear, you can hear The whisper in the valley mm-hmm. And you know when come a kanee blows To the bahu drum This past October in 2018, the Hawaiian Supreme Court, by majority decision, issued an opinion affirming Hawaii's Board of Land and Natural Resources decision to issue a conservation district use permit to the University of Hawaii for construction of the $1.4 billion 30-meter telescope project on top of Mauna Kea, a sacred site to the indigenous peoples of the Hawaiian nation. The 30-meter telescope International Observatory is a nonprofit corporation whose members include Caltech, located in the state of California, the University of California, the National Institutes of Natural Sciences of Japan, the National Astronomical Observatories of the Chinese Academy of Sciences, plus other international organizations located outside of the United States. For the entire month of March, indigenous activists from the Hawaiian nation have been traveling throughout the state of California. For this one-hour exclusive special, American Indian Airwaves County Radio's Executive Director Marcus Lopez sits down with longtime indigenous Hawaiian activists Leilani Teal and Liko Martin to discuss the prevention of the construction of the 30-meter telescope on top of the sacred site Today we were talking to Liko Martin, is a respected kapuna, which is an elder of Hawaii. He is a renowned songwriter and traditional bard who uses music and storytelling for peace, healing, social awareness, and the protection of sacred places. He's also a 49-year veteran of the nonviolent movement of Kanaki rights, demilitarization, neutrality, and independent restoration one of the early forces of the wire resistance of the 1970s. And I know most of you <laughs> weren't around by then, but uh, I know I was. He is skilled in the traditional arts of farming and land caretaking and also fishing, use of herbal medicines, and peace. So he is the Kapuna advisor to Ho'opea Bono Peace Project. Also we have on the line is Lalani Tili, and she has been a Oha'u ambassador for issues around Manokea for over 20 years. 
She is an indigenous peacemaker, activist, musician, teacher, artist, and the writer culturally trained in Lapa'au, traditional herbalism and traditional peacemaking, who specializes in health issues related to activism and colonization. She is a coordinator of Opo'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'e'
high building that also goes two stories deep into a very, very sacred and fragile place that would be approximately four football fields in you know, disturbed area. And, you know, it's it's an enormous, enormous, crazy large building project that would not be the largest telescope in the world or the most powerful, but, you know, is being supported by a very large multinational corporation, um, and a whole lot of money, and that is being pushed through on our sacred mountain right now, and and is a threat that it may t- attempt to go ahead right now and potentially lead to the brutality of the state of Hawaii against the Kanaka who will stand against it. Lalani and Liko. We know that once you give us not only a little bit of history, what you did as far as the, the meaning of, of Mauna Kea to the peoples, but yet give us the listeners a sense of geography. Where is it at? And what is the surrounding area? And the, what's the population of the area that we're talking about? So once you run, run through that before we get into the, all the issues and the conflicts that exist because of this massive telescope, like you said, on Mauna Kea, where is the site located at? Where's Mauna Kea located at? Okay. Mauna Kea is located in the northeast part in, in the Hawaiian Islands, in the chain, the Hawaiian archipelago. It's the northeast Pacific, okay? Well, and it's, it's the south part of the island chain. Yeah. But the whole archipelago is located in the northeast northeast Pacific, okay? And it extends all the way up in a circular uh, like curve, all the way up and intersects with the Aleutians on top. And, and it, just, it, it actually encircles, imagine it being the center of the, the, the ring of what is known as the Ring of Fire. The Ring of Fire is this volcanic uh, ring around the Pacific Ocean. And in the center of that are the Hawaiian Islands. And throughout Polynesia also is uh, continents that once were up above that are, it's like uh, the stomach of the, underneath the water, okay? And, um, and so another, another, just a little point here, just a little short as I can make it, a political history that also maybe should be just a quickly, so that people to know that when we're talking about the Hawaiian Islands, uh, one of the issues that, uh, like in many places, has to deal with a situation uh, where people have taken power away from the, the original people and replaced it in various forms, colonization, etc. So the Hawaiian Islands currently is under a prolonged occupation for 126 years, since 1893, January 17th, when the uh, sugar planters and other, other people came in with the United States uh, troops. And from that time till now, we have uh, been in that type of a, as one authority described it as a strange uh, political situation there. But as, as Mauna Kea is coming up also, the international community is aware of the situation in Hawaii. And Mauna Kea uh, is a perfect time because it represents out to the world how important it is for us. Okay, just so the political thing, uh, we have a, the in Indian country you have the federal 
recognition and non-federal recognition. In Hawaii, we have a broken treaty. Of course, it's not unfamiliar, the both broken treaties. Uh, and, um, and we have a set of circumstances that uh, a win for us with human rights and political things is going to be a win for all the indigenous peoples here who still tr struggle, as I have seen, for identity, for econ economic uh, subsist, you know, economics and well-being of their people and the land. And um, so just I wanted to just put that in because in the context of Mauna Kea, it's important to understand the political history and the quickly changing venue in that so that you can understand the key points in the Mauna Kea. Okay, go ahead, Lalani. Uh, so just to answer your question, it's on the big island of Hawaii, which is the southernmost island and the largest um, it's not the largest in population by far. The population is spread out over a um, very, very large area, largely rural, kind of economically depressed. It's, it's hard to find employment or money on that island, which has been one of the factors that ha the TMT has used against the people. And it's an island with a lot of culture, but not a lot of resources to help that culture to exist. It's also an island where people are being displaced rapidly by, um, you know, luxury development and, you know, where there is a lot of um, there's a lot of economic struggle. Mm -hmm. there on the big island so it's very it's a very hard place in terms of surviving economically now the conflict you begin to mention that the conflict is you want to stop this massive telescope you talked about its massiveness um, are there other telescopes in the area and if so what makes it so important good questions so there are currently technically there telescopes actually there are there are 12 in existence and this would be the 13th there are only 13 allowed on the summit uh, well actually there are 13 now and they want to take one down so that they can legally put this one up so it would be this they can name maintain 13 now there are a lot more than 13 structures up there because the, what the telescopes typically do is they have multiple buildings things and they call them one telescope even if they have multiple multiple telescopes so there are about 26 uh, large structures on Mauna Kea right now and the argument of the Supreme Court of Hawaii has basically been well we can just build this one because there's already been so much damage you know but this one is bigger than all the others put together it is um we're talking about a 30 meter mirror which is um you know if you can imagine that's like a hundred feet uh a, a mirror right a hundred feet in diameter round and that would go into a building that would take about four football fields of disturbed area to house we're talking eight 18 stories high which is bigger than any building on that island and bigger than most of the buildings on Oahu 
or anywhere in the Pacific, practically, it is, uh, we're talking about two stories down into that sacred mountain. And the purpose of going down two stories is to hold huge tanks of toxic wash water and uh, also human sewage, which would be trucked out bi-weekly down a, an extremely steep slope where people regularly lose their brakes and die. So, you know, kind of like what could go wrong with that plan, right? But, um, but anyway, so that's, that's the size and the volume of what we're talking about here. It's very, very massive impact on a very, very fragile and very, very sacred area. You're listening to an exclusive interview here on American Indian Airwaves County Radio with longtime Indigenous Hawaiian activists Leilani Teal and Liko Martin on protecting the sacred site Mauna Kea from the construction of the 30-meter telescope. And now back to the interview. Now you're talking about the um, Leilani, the construction or the design why don't you go into and share with us the construction craziness, I guess, and the geography. And why don't you talk about a little about, a lot of people don't talk about that. But when they have this construction and the geog- within the geography, also talk about this man camps. Yeah, man camps. Oh, my goodness. So definitely this has been an issue throughout the indigenous world basically, is that when you have massive construction projects, you have the problem of imported workers who come with those projects to build those projects and the impact that those workers have on the community. Specifically, there are often a lot of male workers who um, are known to impact uh, Indigenous women because they come from outside and, and are not always respectful, to put it mildly, of the women in our communities. So that's a very major problem. There are also other very major problems um, with this, such as, uh, you know, housing that, you know, people don't tend to leave, especially in Hawaii. People, construction workers come and then they don't leave. And in this case of the TMT, they are planning on importing construction workers, even though they say that they're going to use local labor. And there is a, you know, there's there's a very, very major problem with the impact that bringing any more people into an area that is already beyond capacity has on that population that's already being displaced at a terrible rate. Lalani, why don't you share with us about, you talk, uh, I wanted to ask you that question, but the other part about, about it is the construction in the roads up to the different areas that go up the mountain. Share with us those dimensions of those roads and the problems that come with construction. You know, for sure, they are looking to quote unquote improve the roads to the summit and also to regulate 
the cultural practices that take place in the area. And that is a very, very major problem for us because the, those practices have existed from time immemorial. And so with these telescopes come these supposed improvements to the road and with those supposed improvement comes regulation and that can severely, severely affect our ability to just continue what we've done forever. I know in California and the indigenous people throughout Turtle Island, anytime there's a construction of massive proportions like this telescope by the TMT Corporation, the construction of this telescope and the sacred site of Mauna Kea, that limits or that infringes on your particular sacred rights as prayer and also the cultural traditions of that area. Am I describing it ad- adequately? Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, with those improved roads also comes a lot more tourists, you know, and people who want to access the road, not for the purpose of, you know, reverence and respecting its sacredness, but for, you know, hey, let's go to the top of the most sacred mountain in the world, you know, like a, like, like a, a tourist attraction and, you know, in improper ways that are very disturbing and can be disruptive of our practices. Uh, Lilani or uh, Liko, the, the notion of native versus science, I know that's been a debate within not only in the Hawaii Islands and the whole ocean, and the whole world, in fact, of Native people challenging science. But why don't you explore that with us and um, share with us what your thoughts are about that argument that not only the courts have made it, but many of the social um, scientists are, make, are making it. And what is that argument and what is your position? Well, indigenous science, you know, indigenous indigenous identity, uh, Marcus, it deals with culture, then all humanity has indigenous roots. There's that, you know, in basic understanding of linking all of humanity rather than separating us from the way in which we look at the management of our resources in the short term and in the long term. So the thing about the science is it brings up to me I have traveled into Hopi in the early 70s, and uh, the Hopi have a prophecy about the, the true white brother coming at a time, and if the true white brother was not able to make the proper contribution and to identify what is the true white brother, what does that represent? What contribution has not been made in looking at the prophecy that unless the proper contribution was made that we would be going into a destructive cycle in the world, basically a fire cycle, okay, which we see and we hear about and things like that, and of course. So the contribution to me that needs addressing is the the use of science and technology and discoveries from the same basic elements that may comprise everything that we have been gifted with here, okay? that the contributions of science now be focused on recovery, on keeping things clean, that communities are empowered with uh, the tools that are necessary to to 
not just think about keeping it green, but going out there and managing it through the seasons and especially the indigenous role here and the, the opportunity for technology and science and pol political awareness is to empower the indigenous knowledge. Okay? This, this is, this is the, let's clean up a mokuhonu. Let's, this, is, this is our challenge, you know? So uh, the thing about the, the spirituality, that's it for us. Are we going to put our hands to it now and our hearts and be a guide and be everything that we have wanted to be? And we were denied from this. Can I also add that um, we there's been a real perception, I should say it's a cultivated perception, that there's this native religion versus science. And that's just a complete false dichotomy. It's just completely um, made up. It's not like that at all. In fact, if anything, we are challenging science to do better you know we are basically saying that what we are asking you to do is as brilliant scientists find a way to see the stars without destroying the earth and we think that they can do it they may not know how they're going to do it we certainly don't know how they're going to do it but we believe that they have the capacity to figure out a way to see the stars without destroying the earth and that as the keepers of the earth which is our kuleana our responsibility we are saying that that is what they need to do go forth and figure it out and you're listening to an exclusive interview with longtime Indigenous Hawaiian activists Liko Martin and Lilani Teal on protecting Mauna Kea, a sacred site in the heart of the Hawaiian nation, and preventing the construction of the 30-meter telescope. You're listening to American Indian Airwaves, County Radio. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Generation to sing and praise 
the glories of our land. From the fiery pit of Tupelay, I hear my mother's call. The song All Hawaii Stand Together, written by Liko Martin and performed by numerous indigenous Hawaiian musicians here on American Indian Airwaves Cowdy Radio. In the final segment of today's show, we return back to our interview with longtime indigenous Hawaiian activists Lalani Teal and Liko Martin over the struggle to protect Mauna Kea, a sacred site in the heart of the Hawaiian nation. This past October of 2018, the Hawaiian Supreme Court, by majority decision, issued an opinion affirming the Board of Land and Natural Resources decision to issue a conservation district use permit to the University of Hawaii for the construction of the $1.4 billion 30-meter telescope. The 30-meter telescope International Observatory is a nonprofit organization responsible for the project and includes numerous partners from different organizations throughout the world. And now back to protecting Mauna Kea, a sacred site in the heart of the Hawaiian nation with longtime indigenous Hawaiian activists Ligo Martin and Lulani Teal. You you were talking about, and I want to ask you, couple of ones that are not directly related but are directly related either of you can uh, can start the re- the response to that because we uh, um, were talking to some other Kanaki Maoli leaders from that area in Ovai about six months ago in the American Indian Airways but why don't you talk about the apologies from the President Clinton did that do anything to dealing with your particular religious I'll say religious right because it's more than a religion it's a way of life and please talk about that it do, did it do anything is it helping in the argument about Clinton's apology okay all right gosh thank you so much uh, Marcus for asking that let's go to the beginning of some of your subject matters there 
let's go back 50 years ago when you, yourself, myself, and many people, I think, internationally, uh, there was an, uh, not only an environmental consciousness back in the 70s that was very high, but in a rebirthing of a lot of different cultures, yeah? And in Hawaii, because of the uh, battle to save and stop the bombing of Kaho'olawe by the United States under an expired executive order, the, the two lives were lost there. As in other cases, uh, situations, lives, and sacrifices of the families to, to regain culture, language, places, everything. We in Hawaii have this uh, a theme called Aloha Aina, which is basically just the reverence and sacredness for the creation, for all the elements and those things that sustain our life and the thing and and everything else that it has life to it that we have to respect. And um, we're in the fifth decade, uh, Marcus, of that renaissance. And the connection to Mauna Kea is that if you go up there into Mauna Kea, and I remember one of the first meetings at the governor's office uh, when the, when the uh, disputes and all the questions started coming up, you know, there's like 5,000 Hawaiian, Hawaiian kanakas out there in the street marching. There were actually 10,000 that marched through the streets of Waikiki. And if you wanted to talk to them, you had better go on and, and relearn the language, you know? And I mean, it's like uh, it's a generation's time has come that they, they can speak for themselves. They, in Hawaii, we call to be smart is to be akamai, okay? And that is what is the, the unifying thing in all of our empowering, all of our younger generations now. We have to be careful not to disempower them and realize that they are so powerful with the tools that they have. And, and so... But the thing was that came to me in getting back to the thing of unity. And thank you for playing the All Hawaii song. Uh, for all of the people in Indian country, all of the people in the Americas, thousands of people who have come uh, since the Great War ended in 1945, who have come to Hawaii, especially Waikiki, where I grew up. That song that was written for a man called Don Ho. Don Ho was the ambassador truly of Aloha. He not only uh, just gave his heart and was a master of uh, aloha and song, but he loved his Hawaiian people. And today, the tragedy would be that the Beach Boys and the life and the things that they had to offer are sometimes uh, they're not available. We can't buy in, so to speak. Okay. But the thing, the person that I want to mention for here, for all of us in, in this part of the world, is the a person by the name of Arthur Manuel, who passed away a couple of years ago, who was a Canadian a, a traditional chief up in Canada. I think you know him. You, you're affili affiliated with him, Marcus. And in his last, in his book uh, called uh, The Reconciliation Manifesto, Reclaiming the Land and Rebuilding the Economy. He points out very briefly and very strongly, he doesn't, he doesn't go through a whole lot of uh, uh, academic exercises to get right to the point, that he says tribal unity is one thing, that it is the foundation of the nationhood that we need to go to now to recover from the, the, the notion that uh, of the doctrine of discovery and the application of it and the colonization that has happened. He, in his prophecy book that I was so fortunate to, to uh, get a hold of, he prophesizes there 
for the Canadians of what can happen and what is needed and what I see is on the move in the Americas from the north to the south is to bring this awareness, this sense of this humanity reconnecting. And um, and this is, I want to honor uh, Arthur Manuel and we need to honor uh, and say that we have we have a next step to go, Marcus. And I, I don't want to bring the bring attention to Arthur Mandel and all of the work, the recovery, the uh, various groups who for the last 40 years from the different uh, treaty councils to the various groups that we are here. What I, what I was not seeing 40 years ago when the first I went to Four Corners. Now, the trees that had survived had fruit and those seeds grew up. And now there's a forest of indigenous people who are not just put away to history, Marquez, okay? And the one theme that came, I came across I was gifted with was the theme of keeping the home fires burning, you know? The moral is to support each other, and morally and materially, and not so much making, like, in the, making ourselves wrong or somebody else, because we get, certainly get stuck, but making the adjustments, because we're on the cusp of a rebirth, of an evolution of consciousness and common causes for Aloha Aina. And I, I really see this. I'm, I'm not just saying, because I have lived on the shores. I had to leave Hawaiian Islands in the 70s because it was my music was too powerful. And I sought refuge in the Shumar's land in Leo Carrillo. And for seven years, I stayed there. And I had the foods from the ocean uh, that I had had in Hawaii. And uh, I'm very grateful and thank you. And um, not only is it our cause there, but for us in, in Hawaii, uh, it's Mauna Kea. And there are issues as important as Mauna Kea right here in people's backs. So the apology, let's get to the apology. Okay? In 1993, uh, apology, Clinton signed the apology resolution. Now, a resolution, a United States resolution, doesn't have, let's get to be clear on the, on the application of it, it has, does not have the force of law in a non-contiguous area of the Hawaiian Islands where the United States has no treaty of annexation. Let's be really clear about that. So you can see right off the bat, there is going to be, and there is contention to whether or not there's going to be a deal struck we're just going to forget about, we're going to take federal recognition, we're going to take some little pittances, and we're going to take a little, we'll have a land reservation, instead of stopping the theft of our identity. That's the issue that is in here with the apology. Uh, the Republicans stood pretty strong on it in 1993, Senator Gordon says, uh, without you telling us, I mean, the, the consequence of this apology is independence. Now, that came right from the Republicans in the, in the United States Congress, okay? What we have seen as a result of 26 years since the apology, our people are in the streets. There are 80,000 people on the homeland programs who are waiting. How did those 80,000 people get onto the streets, 300,000 of which now live in the United States, is because we are oppressed in our country in our nation state and we do not have the ability to defend ourselves from the tyranny and oppression and corruption that is managing the resources that belong to hawaiians okay so it so liko so from that apology from clinton nothing's changed yeah can i can i just add to that that basically what that apology was you know i'm talking about 25 years ago right that that 
was signed. And essentially, that apology resolution from a federal perspective is an attempt to make a situation that is clearly wrong and needs fixing to appear that it is being fixed and addressed when in fact the wrong is being perpetuated and you know more lands are being destroyed you know as this telescope shows so you know those those apologies apologies are very often used by occupying and colonial governments for the specific purpose of making it appear as though they have made their wrongdoing against the people who have the actual title to the land, that they have somehow made those right. And yet they still are claiming to hold that land and they are still claiming to have the rightful government of that place and so you know an apology is a very weak way in which to sort of say oh i'm sorry and place that wrongdoing in the past you know because when you apologize you're basically saying, oh, well, that was in the past. And I'm sorry I did that in the past. But, you know, in the real sense, you know, in our culture, an apology isn't really an apology unless it also carries through into the present. And that's what makes native apologies, you know, at least Kanaka apologies. A Kanaka mihi is very different than a, um, than a uh, American quote-unquote apology you know and we don't see those kinds of apologies that are only addressing the past and not the present as real at all one of the things that i wanted to ask you before we get we terminate the the discussion regarding manokea and there's a lot of um uh, worldwide support and also the legal when i was looking at the website and um uh protect Manokea, uh mm-hmm. dot rock and you can anybody can look at that but yeah one of the things that I've seen that this legal roller coaster and the legal roller coaster cease and desist request the letter to governor Iki and the e- the present activity but one of the things that in the background of this I wanted your co- short comments on that because I wanted to get to the present situation. But yet, to our, for our, especially for our listeners to say, they, they listen to all this conversation, but yet, you know, they're always about what can they do. And that's where I want to get to. And one want a little bit of time on that. And that is, what is um, uh, now the, the role of the monarchy and the role of the queen and the role and the adjudicated certain aspects of that Supreme Court, I think, Hawaii, did they not with, uh, upheld the, the uh, monarch's um um, in the Queen uh, decision um, that she is still the ruler of Hawaii. And could you please comment on that? And does it have to do with especially the the ignore, ignorance of the court systems or maybe they just ignored it completely about their local ruling as it relates to Mauna Kea? Okay, all right, Marcus. Thank you for that great question. Let's keep it in really short is that... Uh, uh, when the thieves went to stand in judgment of themselves and took their case before the United States Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court said 
the United States Constitution has no authority over in Hawaiian relating to Hawaiian law. Just keep it really simple. It's none of the business of the United States or any of their any of the even the state of Hawaii, their Congress, to dictate how independence will come to the Hawaiian people. It is not in their business. And this was articulated so so eloquently by a representative from Hawaii of Japanese ancestry who said before the Senate Committee on Indian Affairs that when the Hawaiians have been given the time to discuss these very important issues, then we must respond to what they decide and it is not their place to be meddling in our affairs. Okay? Yeah, so, you know, we definitely have a major conflict and Mauna Kea is right at the center of a much larger conflict over our identity as a country. You know, Hawaii is an independent, neutral country under an illegal occupation. And that's been proven over and over again. But of course, there is also a state government that has an alternate perspective and thinks of itself as very legitimate. And so those two perspectives live side by side in everyday life in Hawaii. And you're listening to an exclusive interview with longtime Indigenous Hawaiian activist Elder Liko Martin and Indigenous Hawaiian activist Leilani Teal on protecting Mauna Kea in the heart of the Hawaiian nation under threat from the construction of the 30-meter telescope if constructed, would be the second largest telescope in the world. You're listening to American Indian Airwaves, County Radio. We're going to take a very short break, and we'll be right back. Born to a class of people who were born to lead, they were called Ali'i, and one of them was she, Kamaka'eha, Kamaka'eha. And then a name before that, Lydia, the daughter of Keahokalole from Keaweaheulu's clan. Her father, Kapa'akea, was a Konohiki man. The girl took another name later in life, that she really didn't like Lili'uokalani, to rule someday, like her noble predecessors, a destiny from the need, a mission, to set her people free. And in our kingdom in 1891, the time to fulfill her destiny had come, and as history recorded for all posterity, she was duly crowned with the name she never liked, Lili'uokalani. With her name and her year and her life completed, a time to promulgate a new constitution, the annexation boys planned out, the retribution, to make believe that American lives were threatened and their property too would be destroyed, something they needed U.S. military intervention to avoid. And maybe inside, when you hear the story true, you want to get violent, lash out, try to blast, pop a cap on the pilot from the U.S. of A and to hell with living on for another day. Marshal Charles Wilson was the man who told James Blount, I'd shoot them dead where they stand, but our beloved queen was smarter than that. To surrender to superior forces was her plan. She could plainly see she would be directed to kill from Washington, D.C. if Hawaiians resisted, if they kept up the fight and had persisted. We got an occupation by them still going on, and Queen Liliuokalani is no more. But her charge goes on. At times it is slow, but a country was stolen and a country must be restored to establish again 
in one accord the right to govern with no outsider interest or interference, and that's gonna take Onipa'a strength and perseverance. And after all is said and done, we'll be apart far less and much more prone to true unity, more like Kamaka Eha, Her Royal Majesty, a bright and fearless sovereign, Ooike Aloha, Keep up the flame and the glow that comes from it. Keep it real, keep it right, let it shine, give it up. O great creator, most divine, for the queen, God bless her. Never stop believing or maintaining her faith under duress, even when she was grieving. And when we must do the same today, let's do it. Cast off blame and negativity to walk her walk with both humility and pride so as not to let them conquer any more or divide us as a people and the whole nation too of every creed and color from the source we gotta start to seek true justice with the peaceful soul, a solid well-thinking mind of aloha, and a patriot's heart. Spoken word by Kupa Aina, Patriot's Heart, here on American Indian Airwaves, County Radio. And now we go back to our interview with longtime indigenous activists, Liko Martin and Lolani Teal on protecting Mauna Kea, a sacred site in the heart of the Hawaiian nation under threat from the construction of the 30-meter telescope. And now back to the interview. Could you again say that? Because sometimes we tend to just go by it very quickly. But won't you repeat that very uh, statement that you just said regarding Hawaii? Yeah, we are an independent and neutral country under an illegal military occupation by the United States of America. And that is very well known in Hawaii. Now, when you, when you say that, mm-hmm. and then with Nico or Lalani, when you say that, what do you feel when I've only been there once, was for taking care of business, uh, sovereignty, independence, uh, white people, so on and so forth. We tried the United yeah, States. Yeah, you're at the tribunal. Yes, and we tried the United States government on six or seven counts. Or, and I know you were the, uh, one of the organizers. But yet, um, and I've seen enormous amount of hotels and motels and condos and, and uh, growth and movie stars and producers and who knows what goes over there nowadays. What do you, th- when that, to contextualize your juxtaposition, that independence at the same time, the capitalist development, how do you, how do you deal with that? Okay, let me just make a short one. My just pay tribute to my dear friend Kawai Puna Pujin, who helped put that uh, tribunal that you were at. His favorite saying was, "The rent is overdue." <laughs> you know, I mean, if you break it down, of course, uh, you know the the way the money flows. But it's even the way the money flows, but how the people are allowed to live and how they're being treated—that is one of the issues here. Okay, everybody, as, as we, the Hawaiian Kanakas, have been under the gun, so were the people who were put up to keep us. I mean, even the jailer wants to go free here. Okay. Same. Can I also say that one thing that we need to understand about um, the difference in basic things like land title, right, is that, you know, there's 
there's a true reality and then there's a paper reality and that is what we're up against that the the actual true reality is that there are a people in Hawaii the Kanaka Maoli who have been there forever and have welcomed people who have come and you know who have become part of us and 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 that part is fine and we've developed a system over time and we've developed a country an independent neutral country which still exists legally um then there's another quote unquote reality that is upheld by papers that are not legitimate papers because they were never agreed to by anybody but themselves you know and you you can't call that legitimate you can't just write a paper and say hey i own all of your land but that's exactly what they did now of course the true reality that enforces those things is a bullet in a gun you know so that is what we're living under right now that's what an occupation looks like right and we're talking and we're and we're speaking about the military let's quickly now go to the about the tmt i know you want to get into that the tmt observatory uh, observatory corporation based in in pasadena california you were down you were down here and you can come back to southern california and you had um henry t yang who is the chairperson, chancellor of UC Santa Barbara, and also University of California as part of that, Michael Bolte, associate director of the 30-meter telescope project, University of California Observations, professor of astronomy and astrophysics at UC Santa Cruz, and Nathan Bronstone, the treasurer, who is executive vice president of business operations, UC um, campus and we and we have uh, and you can go on into the website all these board board of TMT board of governors talk about that please and the a couple of minutes that we have what are you present activity the letter to the governor and and more please talk to us oh, so what the situation that we have right now as you know there's a standoff a major potentially brutal standoff brewing on Mauna Kea you know if they try to bring up it's equipment to build that telescope and destroy our sacred mountain people will stand and they will resist and they will get hurt and the government is very much prepared to brutalize them and remove them from their own indigenous lands you know so so we know that that situation is very real and our people are very strong and prepared to make that stand however what we want to do right now is um focus attention on the, the 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 truth of the matter where this back battle actually is where these players actually are and if you go onto tmt.org and you look onto their website you can see their board of governors and see that many of them are part of the system of education in california specifically so the major players there are the university of california Many campuses are involved, and Caltech, the California Institute of Technology, is a major player. Those two. Now you have up. here you have in your letter, real quickly, that upon review of facts presented to you, revoked a CDUA and what was wrongly issued to the TMT project and protect Monokea from further destruction development from here on. That's the letter. What is a CDUA? 
Uh, the CDUA is the Con Conservation District Use Application. I believe that was Kealoha Pichota's letter, I think. But um, but essentially, uh, it is the um, it is the application. The now it's a CDUP, the Conservation District Usage Permit, which allows the TMT construction to go forward and was wrongfully issued to the TMT by the state of Hawaii. Now, so, in, in ending, what do you want people to do? Okay, so March 13th, there is a day of action on March 13th, and please tune into that. You can go to protectmaunakea.rocks to find out more information, but essentially the University of California Board of Regents is meeting at the University of California, Los Angeles, and so there will be a day of action at that board meeting. The moment of silence is over. And that was longtime Indigenous Hawaiian activist and poet and elder Liko Martin and longtime Indigenous Hawaiian activist and musician. Lilani Teal speaking on protecting Mauna Kea, a sacred site in the heart of the Hawaiian nation, which is under threat from the construction of the 30-meter telescope, $1.4 billion project that threatens Mauna Kea. The March 13, 2019 Mauna Kea Day of Action and Awareness has already transpired. And that concludes our show for today here on American Indian Airwaves County Radio. A special thank you to our guests for the entire hour, Liko Martin and Lilani Teal from the Hawaiian Nation. A special thank you to our musical guest, Aragon Star, Koopa Aina. Lyrics by Liko Martin and indigenous Hawaiian musicians, Koopa Aina and the band Blackfire. American Indian Airwaves County Radio is mixed and mastered in the studio of Burnt Swamp Studio in Signal Hill, California. For Marcus Lopez, I've been your host for the hour, Larry Smith. Until next time. Silence is over.